Hey everybody, good afternoon, happy Friday. Um, this is another episode of Shiro. It's been a rough week this week um, for a lot of reasons, but primarily for the shooting that's happened in Uvalde, Texas. Um, and we're getting, there have been conflicting reports about a timeline that we've been working on for three days. And there was a press conference today in which the head of DPS finally decided to share the actual timing of events. So I thought in addition to talking about um, some of the stuff that um, is happening with, you know, Congress not acting, um, I thought we could, you know, talk about specifically what um, Colonel said with regard to um with regard to the the timing of all of the events and how how strange all of this is. It's really not strange when you come to the conclusion I've come to, which I'll give you at the end, which is my opinion, which is ultimately that, um, you know, it, it appears that the police has been trying to sort of peddle this wrong information that put them in a better light. And then when it became clear, they weren't going to be able to do it with the press. They sort of got stuck and had to come clean on what happened. And it looks really bad for them because it essentially looks like the police officers that were there were too afraid with the guy with the AK-15 to go save the kids. So I'm going to, that's my opinion again, but I'm going to go through this whole timeline and explain why I think that. So today, um, this colonel that gives this press briefing, he's the head of DPS, apparently. And I don't know if it's for the country or for Texas or for Uvalde or what, but he gives the breakdown of, of what happened. He says, now this is all on Tuesday at the shooting. He says at 11.27 a.m., video evidence that they have from the school security camera shows that the external door to to the outside of the school that the shooter used to gain entrance to the school got propped open by a teacher. A minute later, 11.28, Ramos, the shooter, crashes his vehicle a little ways down the road into a ditch nearby the school, as was previously described, across from this funeral home. Um, the teacher who had propped open the door simultaneously runs to room 132. That's why she had propped open the door. Um, she's getting a phone of hers. You can see this happening. She goes back and she leaves the door open. That's how the shooter was able to gain access from that that place. But that's not the only way he shot through the school. So let's be clear about that. That open door isn't the sole reason why this went down. Um, so the shooter who crashes his truck nearby the funeral home in the ditch close to the school, he sees two men across the street at that funeral home and he starts shooting at them. The men are able to flee. No one's hit at that point, And the shooter then makes his way toward the school with his weapon through the parking lot, through the cars, um, through video surveillance. They see the teacher reemerge, oh, a teacher reemerge, a separate teacher reemerge into the school in a panic to call 911 at 1130. So three minutes have gone by um, since the door gets opened. 911 gets a call that reports the crash and the man with the gun. So at this point, police think that he's more toward the funeral home, and that's the real issue going on there. Um, 11.31, again, four minutes, the suspect begins shooting into the classrooms from the outside of the school. So this is one of those schools, it, 
shockingly, it looks just like the elementary school I went to in Arizona. But it's one of these schools in a climate that's, you know, mostly outdoor in these warmer climates where there's a lot of outdoor space. There's a lot of windows into each classroom. And so he starts going along the side of the school and shooting into the open windows along through the through the side before he even enters the school. He's he's spraying bullets into the windows, into the classrooms at this point. Um, we don't know how many were injured or killed at that point, but I can't imagine that he, he doesn't do some damage. Um, 1131, uh, the suspect, like I said, began shooting from the outside of the school. The police officers arrived at the funeral home thinking that's where the problem is. Um, DC or DPS at this point of the presser admits that the resource officer who's supposed to be at the school who should be on duty patrolling the school and protecting the school, um, who was not at the school, hears on a 911 call. So he's listening. He's in his car. He's doing something. He's off campus doing something. And he hears that there's a shooter close by. So he goes to check that out to help them. And get this. He... He drives his car right past the shooter who's crouched down behind another car, misses him entirely, sees another teacher, um, and goes off to help somebody else. So he's absolutely worthless. Um, and he drives right by him. So there's there's a chance to apprehend him by somebody who should have been on duty, and that's missed. Um, DPS claims that the reason they said that the officer was on duty was because of the poor witness accounts. So again, they're throwing the witnesses under the bus. Oh, we got the wrong accounts, which may be, but it would have been very easy to clear up by interviewing the officer. So I have a hard time believing it took them three days to clear that one up. So he wasn't at his post. They gave no explanation for why he wasn't at his post, which I found to be really offensive given the fact that he has a legal duty. I mean, this is not only just a job you're hired for. When you're in law enforcement, you have a legal duty. They charged one of the officers in Parkland who didn't do his job criminally. So there's a major problem there. So now we're to 1132. So five minutes in, the shooter begins to fire multiple rounds outside of the school again. Now, keep in mind, he's already gone down the side of the school. He's already shot into the windows. Now he enters the school through that open door and begins shooting into room 111 or room 12. They say one or the other because they can't even definitively say which room he precisely went to first because I guess the angle of the video prevents them from doing that. I don't know how they still couldn't piece this together after three days, but I'll give them the benefit of that doubt. They say that audio at this point, audio evidence of listening to the pops and the bullets reflects that he shot more than 100 rounds at that point. So he's only just now gotten into the school five minutes later, 100 rounds, those two classrooms, the bulk of the bulk of the injuries and the bulk of the deaths were in those two rooms. 1135. Three police people from the Uvalde Police Department enter through the same door that the shooter has come through. So, okay, these are police officers. They're armed. They are fully capable of taking this man down. And there is a law in Texas when there is an active shooter that you go straight for the shooter. If you're in law enforcement, it doesn't matter what agency you're with. You go straight for the shooter um, if there are, if it's an active shooter and especially if there are lives at stake. So they know there are kids in this school. They know their lives at stake and they know they have an active shooter. There are three men that enter, three police officers. 
They're followed by another team of three and a county sheriff. So now we've got seven total. We've got seven armed officers and a sheriff. And they go to the door where the gunman is in the classroom and two of them receive a grazing injury. This scares them so much that they back up completely and they reassess what they're going to do. The shooter fires another 16 rounds at 1137. It's not until 1151 that a police sergeant and a USB agent arrive. So we've lost, what is that, 20 minutes. Now, keep in mind, the shooter is barricaded in a classroom with children who are alive, and there's a window. They're claiming they can't get into it because the door is locked. Nobody's even trying to look into the window with a mirror or technology or anything else without putting their face in the window. Nobody's trying to do anything. They're waiting for a SWAT team, which is not the standard for what the Texas um, officers are supposed to be doing when they're active victims. Continues, could officers continue to arrive in the hallway, and now we've got a total officer count of 19. This is by 1203. Shooting started at 1120-something. So 19 officers in that hallway. Kids are dying in the room. Kids are dead. The, the shooter's still in the room. He's still at large. No one's doing anything. The problem with this, and this is what really bothers me, is the head of DPS says that they didn't have the, the information and that hindsight is, helps them a lot more and that they had determined that it was no longer an active shooter and that that follows the assumption that they believed all of the kids in that room were dead so they decided all of those kids were dead there was no one injured so they had to wait for somebody to come to the SWAT team to back up to come and help them because essentially they were scared with the guy with an AK-15 that's my opinion on that I, I, that's how the facts piece together because this is another thing we know we know that in between this time, we have kids calling 911, telling the 911 officers that they need help to please send the police, that there are people. We have one girl at 12.03 calling from room 112 for a minute and 23 seconds, and she whispers to the 911 officer, he's in the room. He's in the room. They knew they had a live child in there. They knew he was still in there and active. We have the, the same girl calling back at 12.18 saying that nine to 10 students are still alive. So she's saying he's in the room. She's confirming there are students in there that are still alive. And you've got these 19 police officers chilling out in the hall, deciding they're not gonna go in. At 12.21, the suspect fires again. Officers move down the hallway. 12.43, 12.47, a girl calls 911 again, begging to please send the police again. The officers finally decide that they're going to open the door, that their whole obstacle this time had been the locked door, even though they're armed and the guy is armed and there's a glass window that has to be shot out, I'm assuming, but I don't know, that they're going to unlock the door with the janitor's key. It was this locked door that was just such an obstacle for them. So they feel safe enough to use a key to unlock the door. They do that. And they know that at 1251, they have sounds of officers moving kids out of the room. So between 1250 and 1251, they unlock that door and they shoot and kill the suspect. I didn't think I could get any more angry than I was until I listened to this. And, you know, I have, have a lot of things I want to say about legislation that's still ongoing for gun control. But the only thing I can take from this conference today and from the way that it's been handled so far within the media 
how cagey they've been, how how they've really not given accurate information, how how things they've said definitively have turned out to be false, how it's taken them three days to get a, a full statement about actually what happened and, and how bad it makes them look. Uh, the only thing I can assume from that is that they're, um, they know exactly what they did. 19 police officers were too afraid to go in against a kid with an AK-15. They wanted to wait for, for SWAT. And uh, they didn't think about who was in there or what they were supposed to do. And that's a breach of their duty. It's illegal. So I have a real problem with this. I have a real problem with Governor Abbott, too, who's just given his second press conference where he's babbled on about mental health and how he got how he's giving the, the victim so many services because he replaced somebody's glasses. But he's refusing to answer questions about the timeline and the lapse in the timeline and the trust that the people of Texas don't have now for the police. So um, I'm going to take some calls. Let's see. If anybody wants to give me a call, um, go ahead and do that now and we can talk about what you think, how you feel about this. Um, while I'm waiting for somebody to call in, I'm going to just say that, you know, at the end of this, the, D the DPS um, head said that 58 total magazines were used up at the school. They know that they know that the shooter bought 60. So, um, so 58 were used up in the school. Um, and, 1,657 hundred total rounds were purchased by this kid, 18-year-old kid. So again, if anybody wants to call in, um, it may be that I'm the problem here with letting people call in and I need to edit. So let's see. Let's take a minute and see if maybe I've pushed the wrong button. Um, okay. Oh, great. Okay. Here's caller. Let's see. Dave is calling in. Dave, can you unmute? I can. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So what what are you thinking? I'm thinking there's a bunch of chickens. Right? I mean, it's so embarrassing because not only is there cowardice, but you also have the cover up. Right. And the cover the cover up was so ineffective and it was so easily pierced it didn't last very long that they had to have a press conference just to admit all the things they lied about because of all the things they did wrong in this situation you know what also i think is interesting too i'm gonna i don't know if this was meant to be or not but it happened so at the press conference i was watching it live and then i reviewed it this afternoon um the guy that was speaking i can't remember his name mccann McCann, whatever he's a general he's the head of dps right He's giving the timeline and he starts making a mistake when he hits the 12 o'clock hour with giving those times. And so he starts saying 1150. So I'm like, okay, I know he's making this mistake, but, but for somebody just casually listening, it would sound like, Hey, those police weren't late at all. They got there right away. And I was like, what are the odds that he tried to just sell that off as a joke? So like I'm saying, he starts off and he's saying, okay, at 11.21, this happened. Or at 11.37, this happened. And he's going on and on. And he goes, okay, and then 11.03, instead of saying 12.03, he says 11.03, officers arrived. So he's, he backstayed it by an hour. And he kept saying that for every single timeline when the officer started arriving. And I thought, okay, this could easily just be, you know, a mistake. It happens. He's got, he's literally got the dang paper in front of him with the time on it. It's very convenient that he would make that mistake. 
Um, but don't you think that's interesting? Yeah, I think it's an interesting story. Right. If no one were really paying attention, it would sound like, hey, those cops got there right away, which incidentally, they kind of did. Four of those police officers were there, were there in minutes. And had any of those four officers gone in and done what they needed to do, uh, it wouldn't, we wouldn't even be talking about this and not in the same way, you know? So, and then there's also that whole concept of the golden hour of, of patient care and triage for emergency, meaning that first hour after a major incident or injury is most critical for a patient. That's when they have to get life-saving treatment and, and the probability of them making it is like greatly exponentially higher. And so that is why this 40 minutes, I mean, let's, Aside from the fact that we know we have kiddos who are in that room that are injured and terrified, and we know to a child, 40 minutes on a normal day must be like four hours, and then you put them in trauma, that 40 minutes must have been like 10 hours to them. One little girl was telling CNN this morning that she covered herself in her friend, her dead friend's blood and played dead. I mean, this is stuff that soldiers aren't even trained to do, for God's sake, you know? Right. I also think it's interesting that they came to the, like, how, how do you possibly know that? Imagine if right. there was a firefighter and he's like, well, we're not going in the building because we, right. You, you still have a duty to try to find survivors and not just leave them. Well, and the only way that that argument holds water too, is to say that your 911 was not in direct communication with anybody on the team. And right, we know, calling, right. Right. They were calling them and it wasn't just one call that got through. It was like five, six, seven confirmed. Hey, eight to 10 kids in here alive. Hey, we need help. Please help us. He's in here. So they're, so they're saying either, oh yeah, 911 didn't get that information to us. Or I, 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 it takes a huge, I have a really hard time with that. Yeah. And it's like they're throwing 911 under the bus. Right. And I think anyone who has any or prosecution knows that that's really you. Well, their job is communication, right? So it's it's not only communicating with the person who's calling for help. It's making sure that they're dispatching multiple organizations that need to go while communicating with them. Like their whole job is communication. So to say that, you know, the, the person in charge on the scene had no knowledge that those kids were alive. How, you're right. Your question about how do you make the assumption that all of those kids are dead? Wouldn't you make the assumption that, hey, I might have one kid in there that's injured and if I can get in there, I might be able to save him. Wouldn't you think that as a default? Exactly. If you don't have any direct knowledge that they're operate on under the hive and at least Correct. try to find them, Correct. They, let them abandon them. Correct. He confirmed that they didn't have a good view through that window because they'd been grazed and they were clearly too afraid to try to use the window. I was thinking, you know, we learned this on MacGyver. All you do is you get a long mirror backwards and you can see everything through that window. And if he shoots at the mirror, okay, big whoop. Then you know where he is based on where he's shooting. I'm not even a trained officer and I would have known that. So I don't, I just don't understand. Okay, let's see. We have a caller here, Elena. Dave, you want to stay on the phone? I'm just going to add Elena to the convo. How's that sound? Okay. Hi, Elena. Go ahead and unmute your button on the bottom right and you can start talking whenever you like. There you go. Hi. They did. They did. Well, yes, they did. So I don't, I don't know if you're, I can't hear you very well. Are you on speaker? Can you up your volume or go on speaker? Okay. Is this better? Oh, yes. 
Amazing. Okay. So yes, they did. That's a very good question. Okay. So let me go back to my timeline here. So while they have officers in the hall, they have between seven and 19 officers in the hall at this point. They know that they have that first call from room 112 at 1203. So at 1203 simultaneously, they have officers continuing to arrive in the hallway. They get to a total count of 19 of them. 1203, a girl from room one or from 112 calls 911 for one minute and 23 seconds, whispers at that point, he's in the room. So now they've identified exactly where the shooter is, although I think they knew that based on where they were being shot from. 1215, Vortac members arrived. I'm assuming that's some kind of SWAT team name because they mentioned they had shields. At 1218, we have the same girl calling back confirming that between nine and 10 students are still alive. So we even have the SWAT team there between 1215 and 1250. And, and then we have a phone call at 1218 again to 911. We have several more calling in, but they still don't rush the door and they have the SWAT team there. So I wonder if that's, does that answer your question? <laughs> Hello? I don't know. Are you still there, Dave? I'm here. Okay. So th- I think that answers the question, right? I mean, we have, I know that there were like seven calls in between the time when the shooter got in the room and they start, the officers started congregating, but we know for a fact that we have the Vortac members. Do you know what Vortac stands for? Do I know? No, I don't either. I, I believe it's some sort of SWAT team because they, he specified that they had shields and that's what they were waiting for. They have those people in the hallway at 1215 and it's three minutes later that the first little girl calls back and confirms to 911 that nine to 10 students are still alive. So between Vortec arriving at 1215 and the officers breaching the door with the janitor's key at 1250, we have nothing. And we have five other calls into 911 from the kids in the room. So... I think that answered Elena's question. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Heather, I'm going to see if I can take your call next. Okay, Heather, go ahead. Just unmute. It should be in the bottom right. Oh, I lost you. Call back in. Call back in. Anyway, Dave, are you still there? Oh, Heather, there you are. Okay, make next caller. There you go. Just unmute and... Oh, (laughs) <laughs> We're going to get this right, Heather. I'm going to stay here till we get this right. I'm so sorry. I kept hitting the wrong button. <laughs> you, know, I do, you know what? I do it all the time and I've been doing this for once. No worries. Okay. What did, um, hi, how are you? Hi. Um, thank you for doing this. Are you just this. as pissed as me? Are you just yes, as pissed absolutely. as me? absolutely. I'm like screaming as you were talking. Luckily, I was on mute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I forgot now what I was going to say, but I... Um, was it about the nine one one timing? It, no, um, what we can do. I'm in Washington oh. State, and mm-hmm. every cell in my body wants to go to Texas and like cook. Sorry, okay, cook meals for the families and take care of people. Take a breath. I understand. I do. I understand that feeling. You just. You want to feel useful, like you can do something instead of this feeling that just keeps happening over and over and over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I was just thinking, 
Are there any resources, legal resources that are low cost or free for those families to sue this, you know, whatever law enforcement agencies were there because they did not do their job? Yeah, they'll have they'll absolutely have access to all of the attorneys they need, even ones that'll take a contingency because these are going to be big time lawsuits, big time. Absolutely. I mean, we, yeah, we don't know yet. Um, we don't know how many kids were. In, we don't know if the ones that were injured that died as a result of them waiting so long. We just don't know. We don't know what the factors are. But regardless of that, I mean, everybody's going to be suing and, and they should win. So I have no doubt that they'll have access to all of the legal help they need. Um, you know, Andre, is it Feed the Kitchen? What is the name of the organization where he goes all around and feeds everybody? He's so great. But oh. in in the meantime, I will find this all out if, if anybody who's listening follows my Twitter and I will start posting if you want to donate to help. But what I would recommend you do is donate to the Red Cross in Uvalde and or close by Uvalde, the closest one, because the Red Cross is going to get all of the aid there. Oh, thanks, Mom. My mom just texted me. It's the World Kitchen. <laughs> so okay. the World Kitchen feeds everyone all over the world. I know they're in Ukraine. They're just everywhere. He's great. It's the Chef Andre guy that's the celebrity chef. But the Red Cross in that area really is a great place to give money to because they are excellent at knowing where it needs to go and getting it directly to the source right away to help with funerals and all of that. Um, funerals. So I also want you to know, Heather, I'm going to, before I wrap the show, I'm going to be giving a long list of all of the bills that are currently in the House and in the Senate and who you need to call and, mm, and how awesome. people can call to ask that those are, are pushed and passed and what we can do to make that change. I think the key, though, has got to be that we just, we say enough is enough. We yeah. have the numbers. It's now our numbers against their money. So who's yeah. going to win? You know, that's kind of it. And I'm really sorry you're feeling this way. I, I'm right there with you. And I'm so angry. I hate it when I get this angry because I just, I don't even know how to take it out. I'm just, I'm so frustrated. So I'm right there with you, but thank yeah. you for calling. Um, the other thing I thought about is there needs to be some sort of action where we're taking down the capitalism part of the way that our daily life flows, because I get right. that there's the March for Our Lives that's happening in various cities, but there'll be all kinds of energy and it'll be on the news. And then the next day, people will go back to work and forget about it. I agree. And, you know, the only way we can really do that is to take big money out of politics. And yes. unfortunately, Citizens United is not going to be overturned with this Supreme Court. Um, and the only way to do that is going to be to put more people on the Supreme Court so that we actually have fair verdicts. So, uh, I mean, keep keep a watch on where we go with Roe, because right now, um, you know, more than half of the country is very upset with the Supreme Court. And I've never seen a dissatisfaction number with the Supreme Court ever on that level. So things are starting to turn. But this court is so stacked that I don't see that changing anytime soon, which is why everyone has to come out and, and get active and yep. vote and get people to vote. Oh, um, Heather, here's a place you can get involved with or donate to every town. Are you familiar with them? Oh, yes. Uh huh. Yes. Shannon Watts. She's on Twitter. She's Moms Demand Action. Every town is amazing. They're doing amazing work. They're right in there. They're helping to organize right now outside of the NRA convention. And they're doing an amazing protest as we speak. So you can get involved with them to do action. You can get involved with them to donate money. You can get involved with them to volunteer. So that'll cover sort of all of it. Okay. I hope that helps. Yeah, thank you. Sure. And I hope you have a good weekend and, and take care of yourself.
Yeah, you too. Thank you. Sure. Okay, so heavy call. Thanks for calling in, um, Heather. So um, let's see. Let's see. Who do I still have on the line? Dave, do I still have you on the line? Still working on how I do this. And I'm singing. (laughs) Okay, well, let let me talk about this for a minute. So right now we have some current bills in the house and they're really good bills. They're really common sense, basic bills that are not, um, they're not crazy. They're not out there. They, they support what the majority of America wants with regard to common sense gun restrictions. The problem is we have a much larger majority in the house than we do in the Senate. So the house is able to get these bills done and through, and then they stall in the Senate. Right now is the time to be putting pressure on both of your senators, and it doesn't matter if they are Republican or Democrat, because what works, what we know works in in advocacy and activism is to call your senator's offices, to say you're a constituent, and to demand that they pass these common sense regulations. I'm going to go over them with you. Even if they're Republican, even if you think they won't do it, they have to make a record of it. They have to put it they have to put it down. And if they are flooded with these calls saying people are demanding it or we're going to vote you out, it gets really tricky for them. This is the only thing that's going to move the needle. It saved the American um, Health Care Act, the ACA. It saved it three times. So it works. Um, the House passed H.R. 1446. It's called the Charleston loophole for the massacre at the Black Church in Charleston. And it allows um, the loophole allows for some licensed gun sales to go through before a required background check is done. Um, So the bill that got passed in the House would increase the amount of time um, for a background check from three business days to a minimum of 10 business days. So we're just looking at an extended background check and that the federal firearms licensee must wait to receive a completed background check prior to transferring a firearm to an unlicensed person. So these are really common sense restrictions that the majority of this country support. And that has already gone through the House. Senate Democrats took a step Tuesday to put that bill on um, in front of, of for a vote. So it's now called the Enhanced background checks act of 2021 so when you call your senators at 202-224-3121 that's going to get you the main switchboard if you get a busy signal when you try to get their office google their home office number in your home state it's the fastest ways to call their local office and tell them you want them to pass the Enhanced Background Checked Act of 2021. Um, and you want it put on the calendar and you want it voted on and you want them to pass it. Um, right now, we're having a problem in the Senate with the filibuster, meaning we don't have the 60 votes um, to invoke cloture or to pass anything. And so until we amend the filibuster rule, We're likely not going to have that unless we have a bunch of Republicans coming over to our side. So we either need to amend the filibuster or get some Republicans on board because the country has had it and they realize that the NRA's money won't keep them safe anymore. So that's the first one you need to ask for. Call the Senate again and ask that they put the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021 up for a vote and that they vote in favor of it. Um. The other thing that's happened is the Federal Extreme Risk Protection Order. Um, The House passed that, or the House is going to put that back up. Um, Steiny Hoyer said on Wednesday that they'd put a gun safety bill 
um, up for a vote in the House during the first week of June. Again, it's probably going to pass. That's not the true hurdle. The hurdle is going to be getting it through the Senate. But this legislation is going to allow for family members and law enforcement to obtain an extreme risk protection order to temporarily remove access to firearms for those who are deemed a danger to themselves or to others by a federal court. So just another protectionary measure for people who may be going through some mental health stuff, like like Governor Abbott is trying to claim was the problem for this guy. You know, um, it's, it's something that, again, will go through the House without too much of a problem, but we need it to get through the Senate. So what you'll want to say when you call the Senate is, when the Federal Extreme Risk Protection Order Act comes up for a vote in the Senate, I want you to vote in favor of it, and I want you to pass it. Another bill that's critical, H.R. 8, and I don't know if you saw, anybody saw the viral clip of Steve Kerr um, speaking about this when he got, before the Mavericks game when he got really, really, or the Golden State Warriors got really, really mad. And instead of talking about basketball, he started talking about gun control. Go Steve Kerr. I went to the University of Arizona where he played, so... We love Steve Kerr, um, but he was talking about H.R. 8, and that has passed in the House again. And it's a bipartisan background checks act of 2021 that would expand background checks for all firearm sales or transfers in the country. So right now, background checks aren't required for gun sales and transfers by unlicensed private sellers. So, you know, those gun shows are just between two people selling. Um, This legislation is critical because it has bipartisan support. Again, that's important to note. Eight Republicans supported the bill and one Democrat voted against it. Um, And that was in the House. So that means that, you know, we have a real chance with this. H.R. 8 is the most, you know, the easiest option for us right now. And it's the one we can really push. So, again, please call both of your senators, 202-221-3121, or Google their local office phone numbers in the state where you live. Call their office. Speak to a person. Don't leave a message. When you speak to a person, they are required, their staffers are required to make a note of who called and what they were wanting. They have to take the time to respond to it and to respond to you. So it it makes the most impact. And when they have a lot of people calling like that and you're flooding the phone lines, it really makes an impact. Again, it's what saved the ACA for us in 2016 three times. So um you're going to want to do that. You're going to want to call the Senate for all of those bills, or you're going to want to call your senators and ask that they support all those bills. And you're going to want to tell them that they need to either amend um, the filibuster or get rid of it entirely or support or support those three bills, one or the other. Um, And that is how you can take action uh, with your representatives. Um, Again, we have midterm elections coming up in November. That is when you're going to want to vote Democrat down the line, going to want to vote out every Republican or anyone who has taken NRA money. Um, It's easy to find those out. You can Google that too and find a list of who's taken NRA money with people on the ballot. And you need to just get the word out and talk to people and tell them the fastest way to deal with this is to vote these people out. And when people start real, when people are more afraid of the voters and gun advocate or sensible gun restriction advocacy than they are of the NRA, then that's when things are going to turn around for us. So um, I think that's it for me today. I'm really tired (laughs) and I know you guys are too. And I'm really sad about what's happening in this country and what continues to happen to our children. And so I'm going to keep working 
uh, for sensible gun reform. And I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to tune out and I'm not going to get burnout and I'm not going to glass over. I'm going to keep going. Um, and that's it. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye.